Hey guys, this is Person About Town, and today we are with Kofi Thomas. Uh, hello. Hello, hello everyone. <laughs> you, you just have a very smooth voice. You're aware of <laughs> I, I do not. I think I just talk slowly sometimes, and because I look sleepy, it seems kind of smooth. Yeah, well, I feel like that's been working for you. All right, working, sure. Uh, also, uh, apologies, I should have asked you uh, before you started recording what this is about <laughs> and, and got some details on this podcast. Okay, so in this podcast, what we do is we go to someone's favorite place and we talk about like why it's their favorite place, but also what they're doing in Boston, what they like about the city, just, you know, life stories sorts of things. So you want to tell the audience where we are and why you chose it? Yeah, sure. Uh, currently, uh, to paint the picture, we are on the second floor of a trilogy that's three stories, to quote Big Sean, but the second floor of the Hong Kong in Harvard Square. This is the bar directly under the famous comedy studio. This is my, uh, one of my favorite places in the city, for sure. You do comedy all over, so why specifically this bar? Uh, it's got a bit of that nostalgia to it where I was coming here for a while before I was really into comedy. So I'd come to watch shows and then I'd come down here and I always felt kind of out of place down here. You can't see it now because it, it's a podcast. But there's like there's random uh, Asian ornaments all over the place for no reason. Although there is nobody Asian working here or drinking here. And you just get like some established comedians in the scene who come here and hang out. And uh, yeah, like any new bar, you feel kind of like the new kid. But then after a while, I became more comfortable. And now I come here and hang out before a show and like go over my set. Or sometimes during a show, I'll come down here and watch some of like a basketball game. So it's pretty comfortable now. The staff here knows me. Uh, we do voices. It's a whole thing. You do voices? Oh uh, Yeah, the staff here at the Hong Kong is extremely talented. Okay. Uh, most of them do voices. And are just hysterical. Shout out to uh, Marvin and Derek, two huge black guys. If you're at the Hong Kong and you see these two big bouncers, uh, they are not serious at all. They are, in their head, pretty goofy. So wait, when did you start comedy then? Uh, I actually started comedy a long time ago, almost like 10 years ago. It was like my first time going on stage. So when you were 15? <laughs> 17. 21 was uh, my first time on stage. My first time was actually at Dick's Beantown Comedy Den. And I had no idea what, how comedy shows worked. And I read like in a magazine, like, oh, there's a comedy show here, and it's like open mic. And so I went over there, and there was a list of names of people going up. I had already practiced my three minutes to myself. And I was like, oh, great. So I just wrote my name down. And I'm like standing by myself in the back room. And then the woman running the show looked at the list. And then, uh, and then she goes, uh, who the fuck is coffee? And I was like, oh, this does not sound good. <laughs> this is probably not going to work out. And I was like, hey, it's, uh, it's Kofi. And I was uh, going to try to do comedy. And she was like, no, you're not. <laughs> and, okay. I, and I was like, oh, this is a very bad first impression for me in uh, the comedy world. She's like, no, this is actually a bringer show if you're new. Come back with two people. And I was like, okay. So that was my first uh, time. Well, my first time was the next Sunday. I brought two people and did like three minutes, which were a blur. But I'm pretty sure somebody in the crowd laughed. So it felt, it felt good. Is that the thing that you were like, okay, I'll keep going because somebody laughed? Or do you think if you hadn't gotten a single laugh, you would have kept doing it? I would have kept doing it, probably. I mean, the laugh really wasn't the major part. The major part was that I just felt so nervous before I went up. And I felt nervous just, like, going over the jokes and writing the jokes. And I just loved I loved the nerves. I loved how much it made me feel. Like, even in failure, I was like, oh, but I feel something. Yeah. That was a lot for me at the time. And so you've been doing comedy for about 10 years now. What are some of the places that you perform, some of the people that you've been really excited to perform with? Oh, sure. Actually, let me just uh, make a little amendment. Uh, I did my first show like 10 years ago, but I've been doing comedy altogether for about like five or six good years. Oh. I had like a time in between where I was heavily involved in like, the restaurant world. I first started comedy. It was like just for comedy. I had no aspirations of going anywhere with it. It was just something that I knew I loved, but I got a pretty decent job in a restaurant. Restaurant hours are the exact same hours as comedy hours, so I did only that for like four or five years oh, wow. and then came back to comedy eventually. Uh, 
and what was your question? I'm sorry, I totally... That's totally fine. Um, what are some of the places you've been excited to perform in and people you've been excited to perform with? Oh, that's a good one. Actually, the weird thing I've noticed is that I actually get really excited about people that I know personally because I find people that I know personally... I get more surprised about the things that they come up with because I feel like, oh, like, I thought I knew you. And you still have, like, that weird thought in your head. Like, that makes me laugh pretty hard. Um, Perform with or see? I mean, I did a show with uh, Ron Funches a few months back, and that was was almost like, uh, like going away to, like, a cool summer camp or something. It was like, hung out, ate good food, drank, and... Just had like an amazing few shows at the Davis Square Theater. That was that was pretty awesome. It's always fun doing the theater when you have like a thousand people and then you have to like pause for laughter. <laughs> like, oh, you're just getting that in the background? Okay. Yeah, that's always fun. So when you were younger, did, were you like the funny person or like how did how you grew up affect your comedy now? Mm. I wouldn't say I was like the funny person as far as a class clown. I mean, I was, that's what I was really funny to just like a few people. Like I was really funny at home to my sister, my little sister Kalima. I hate Kalima. Uh, <laughs> she's a big fan of the show. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge, huge. So, but I'd like make her crack up. But in school, like not really trying to be outwardly funny. I remember though, I once got like a week of detention I wasn't even trying to like show up the teacher, but the teacher was like told me to like go stand in the corner because he thought I was talking. I don't know, I, mean, I probably was, but I was like walking really slowly and sad, almost like a prisoner on death row. And then people just started laughing at that. And then he was like, "That's that's like another day." And then I got sadder. And he's like, "That's another day." And I kept I kept getting sadder and sadder, and the class just kept like erupting in laughter. It was like an applause break in like the third grade. <laughs> And the teacher was so mad that I that I got that I had the uh, class laughing so hard that I got a week of detention. I didn't say a word. It was just just my body language like made the class crack up, and he could not stand it. So you're from Boston. I am uh, born and raised in Dorchester. How has that changed over time? Like I feel like more and more people are moving to Dorchester because it's like affordable. But like how has that changed in the neighborhood? And like how's Boston changed since you remember? Oh, sure. So uh, gentrification is a, <laughs> sounds like a J, but it's a G. Gentrification is, is a thing we're now. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, when I was growing up, Boston, especially where I was, like the area I was in, which is like called Fields Corner, had like a really, really high uh, drug and crime rate. For, like for the nation, it was high. Like a lot of the friends I kind of grew up with were in my neighborhood, um, like ended up going to jail or just... Uh, not living anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, but after that, there was, like, there was like this huge crackdown. And then just the neighborhood changed over. And, but it's, there's a larger thing of like a cycle of neighborhoods where it's considered violent or dangerous because, uh, you know, people of color live there. And then there's a few, I want to say almost like, like white non-believers who are just like, I don't think they're dangerous. <laughs> and then they move in there. And then other white folks who were scared, like, oh, there's white people there. And then they move in there. And then, and then you start getting yoga studios. <laughs> and then you start getting charcuterie plates. And the next thing you know, the whole neighborhood has uh, changed over. But my street uh, especially is kind of like an outlier for the image of Dorchester. Dorchester was like used to be like very very Irish and still like has a ton of like Irish bars and Irish people that live there. But the street that I live on was almost this like small, almost like they were testing to see like if people could live together from different countries, <laughs> like without any uh, hyperbole. My house, my parents are Caribbean from Dominica. The house to my left is from St. Thomas. The house across from them is from Cape Verde. The house next to that is from Jamaica. Next to that is from Mexico. My neighbors to my right are two gay neighbors. Shout out Ed and John. The neighbors to the right of them are a Chinese family. And across from them is uh, like an Indian family. Like each house is a different nationality. But we all get along. We all have barbecues together. Uh, we all talk about how to make the street better. I shouldn't even say this on the podcast because more people will start moving to Dorchester. <laughs> but it's like it's a really like nice place to grow up to because you get to meet like a lot of different people, and mm-hmm. so you don't grow up with these bullshit ideas about what you know other countries or yeah. sexualities are like, mm-hmm. especially as a kid. 
and, but that, then again, that was like our street, like which was kind of an outlier because like the, a street over, uh, you know, my mom was like, ah, don't ride your bike on that street. <laughs> And I was like, Mom, what do you mean don't ride my bike? And I was like, I was like, ah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And uh, one day I was riding uh, my bike down the street, and it was like this nice hill. I'm coming down the hill, and it was absurd. I could see them moving. There was uh, kids on the porches on both sides of the street. And as I'm, as I'm turning down the hill, one of the kids was like, oh, that's my brother's bike. And I'm like, oh, I'm the only kid on the bike on the sh- uh-oh. And so, so I start pedaling faster, and all of these kids start running off of their porches, like like a wave, like, closing in on me. And I, like, just kept going faster and faster, and, like, got, like, just out through the end before a kid grabbed me, and, like, and turned the corner, and then one kid was, like, still chasing, and I just kept riding until I was far enough for, like, the other kids to, like, just stop. And then I pulled up, because he was, like, just about my size, and... He got close, and then he was like, oh, oh, that's not my brother's bike. And I was like, okay. Like, he knew it wasn't, but I almost got jumped from my bike by, like, an entire street of kids. So, no. Dorchester, Dor- Dor- I love it, though. It's, you know, real diverse. So you, you did comedy for the first time. What made you want to do that? Hmm. Inspiration. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, to be honest with you, like I remember seeing Dave Chappelle's Kill Him Softly and Chris Rock special and, and being like, oh, like that's really funny, funny than anything I've ever seen in my life. But I still didn't feel like, oh, that's something that I think I can get on stage and do. Um, but I laugh a lot to myself and kind of have like a natural curiosity. So part of me, I was just thinking, like, are these ideas funny to just me? Or are they funny ideas? Are they funny to somebody else? Uh, and so I swear, I was like, I just, I, I need to go somewhere and tell strangers these things that I think is funny and uh, see if they agree. You've been doing comedy for 10 years, and you've done shows in a bunch of different types of places, I guess is the way to phrase that. Uh, where have you gotten in the most trouble? Like, where have you gotten in the weirdest situation based on doing a comedy show? Hmm. I felt the most out of place at a casino show. It was a casino show I did. And it was a I mean, beautiful show. The theater was great. But everybody in the audience, I'm talking, it was like 800 people. And like, the youngest person was maybe 60. And I hadn't realized that, oh, like, you all have no idea what my life is like and what it's like to be near my age and the issues that I care about you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Luckily, I was there for, like, a couple of days, but mm-hmm. it took me, like a, like, like, a real rough night of getting through my set. Like, I need to figure out what about my life is interesting to them and how to bridge this gap between uh, what I think is important mm-hmm. and what they think is important. So that was that was a real awkward night. Nothing like eight hundred people staring at you quietly, <laughs> make make you feel real good about yourself. Knock on wood, I haven't really had any uh, bad run-ins with hecklers really at all. I mean, also like, people just don't phase me a lot. <laughs> Luckily, I had a uh, very formative childhood where people made fun of me a lot. What do yeah. people make fun of you for? Oh, okay. Uh, you can't see her face right now. She's in disbelief. <laughs> for the audience who doesn't know who Kofi is, we're talking about a person who is a good specimen of a person. Just all around. Yeah, she's saying that I'm very nice. I try to be. But yeah, when I was younger, I was super small and super awkward. Thanks for laughing. <laughs> By the way, she is laughing in my face. We are next to each other. She did not hold back. She is... Just letting the memories flood. <laughs> oh boy! No, no, of course. So, anyways, uh, so I was really small, and uh, I had puberty really late. So I had like I had a super high voice. I had huge teeth, and my head is the same size now as it was when I was seven years old. That is not exaggeration. I was very top heavy, and I was also like super uh, just like quiet and nice. People would make fun of me, and I would just like take it like I'm. I didn't know how to snap back because uh, I wasn't raised like that. So, yeah, so I would just uh, take it, you know, go to a bathroom, cry for a little while, come back out to class. I'm so happy I asked you to do this yeah. podcast because I huh. never guessed any of this stuff about you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was an easy target as a little kid. But, yeah, so I had a lot of people making fun of me when I was younger. 
then a little later, I have to start, you know, snapping back just to kind of protect yourself. And then I got to a point where I just matured like a lot faster mentally than people uh, in my grade. So then it got to a point where I wasn't even snapping back. I would just, I would just talk to people about themselves. People would say, hey, what's going on, uh, you know, with those chipmunk teeth? And I'd be like, oh, what's going on at home? Are you okay? What's wrong? <laughs> if you start asking kids pointed questions about their home life, oh, it gets awkward. They get quiet real fast. Because <laughs> everyone's got shit at home going on, and they do not want to talk about that. Or if people would, you know, try to make a joke uh, about me, uh, another good defense mechanism, you just laugh way louder than anybody else until it's awkward and uncomfortable for anybody to laugh. <laughs> so again, somebody says something, you know, like, oh, what's going on with that high girl's voice? You go, ha, 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 good one, you got more? And you just stare at them. Freaks people out. That seems effective. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and my point about that is, so since I used to get made fun of, and then I got this thicker skin, so now hecklers really, I, I, I've heard so much worse in my life that it doesn't phase me. Right. Some bobbing, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to get back to this joke that I wrote because yeah. it's probably pretty good. <laughs> you were able to build that confidence. Yeah, just, it's a confidence and it's also, uh, you kind of start filtering out, like, whose opinions matter. Right. You know, like I started, because it's, it's hard not to fix it on a person that's, that's uh, not laughing, but I try to... Keep in mind that there's a room full of people here who did come to see your show, and they don't care about this one stranger. The stranger wants it to be about them, but that's just the person who's obviously going through something probably at home. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just try to get through it for uh, myself because I want to get this joke out there that I've been working on. Yeah. And for people who came out on, a, you know, whatever Friday night to have a good time. You always seem like just like the nicest person. Like, how do you maintain that? No, first of all, I'm not very nice. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm about this thug life out here. I uh, don't, please, let's not, let's not get it confused. Uh, in case you don't have an image of me yet, uh, keep it, I keep it all the way straight. I keep it a hundred. Uh, and no, I do have a lot of anger as any human who's aware of the world should. Uh, the world's pretty messed up. But I tend to try to use humor to convey a message or really so because if, if I get up there and just start yelling about how angry I am about a certain situation that's just somebody yelling there's like you know that's not that's not real funny to me there's a way to present a message or an idea that's from anger but without being angry while you're doing it so you seem involved in more than just like the comedy community, like maybe in the larger arts community in the Boston area. Do you think that's because of the people that you've connected with or just being here for a long time? I think it's definitely people. It's definitely a networking thing. Really not even with any design. I ended up looking to do more comedy, so I started doing comedy at different shows, and at poetry readings, at music shows, just kind of uh, wherever. And then through that, the rest of the art scene is actually super supportive, and they're usually pretty blown away by comedy. It's, it's weird. I don't know what that is. There's always somebody like, after shows, like, I can't believe you do comedy. It looks so hard. I'm like, you just played the guitar and then the saxophone. Yeah. Like, that's, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. But... Once you start doing those shows and then you uh, meet those people, like then it just kind of snowballs. Then you meet their friends, and then from there, they want you on their shows. They want you to MC or host, and it just kind of catches like a fire. And then I also live in kind of like a, this artist's house right now, a collective of like musicians and painters and poets. So we'll throw shows at the house, and then from there, you'll just meet a lot of people and... I found that if you're a comedian, definitely get some actual friends who aren't comedians. Especially if they can get like other artists, like you'll find yourself unintentionally being inspired, you know, even stylistically, like trying out new things on stage and really lowering your inhibition. So right now we're at the comedy studio, which is one of your favorite places in Boston. What were the other places that you considered for this? Uh, another place I considered was uh, the front porch of my mom's house in Dorchester. I could sit out there with a plate of food that is a really good time. Yes. Why? Oh, my God. Sitting on a porch with, like, a good plate of Caribbean food. I'm talking, like, the, the jerk chicken uh, with the rice, extra cabbage, gravy on the rice. That's just a good day. Just the sun's out, summertime. You know, see a couple of neighbors walk by. You wave to them. Yeah. That's just good living. Also, I am a 67-year-old black man, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> sitting on a porch is heaven for me. I could sit on the bench and watch people walk by for hours. But like just anywhere you can just sit? Pretty much anywhere. I also have a real soft spot. I like, I laugh a lot at really minimal things. Like just like really kind of like unspoken social interactions that we have. It's like there's old neighbors that I have that I don't even know their name. But when they pass by, like I'm, I'm at a certain stature right now in my life mm-hmm. uh, where I'm getting like the old black man small talk. What is old black man small talk? Oh, man. I don't even know if I could, you know, give away our secrets. <laughs> like an old black man will pass another old black man on the street and you uh, get like a head nod. And then it's just, it, honestly, I don't, I don't usually say anything uh, intelligible because I think it's even funnier that I can just mumble and still get the same reaction. <laughs> Like, I'll see a, an old black man, like this one named Kevin around my way, and he'll be like, hey, what's going on now, boss? And I'll be like, ah, ain't nothing out here trying to get sunlight. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> which, which is making me laugh just saying it. But basically, you take like a, a fra- like you could just take a phrase that makes some sense, but then you just kind of mumble it uh-huh. and then trail off. So Kevin says, I'll do this in slower, uh, <laughs> like Queen's English. Kevin says, uh, hey, how are you doing? And then I'm saying, oh, I'm just out here trying to catch some sunlight. Uh, but the way it happens, like on our street, is like Kevin goes, uh, hey, what's going on there, boss? And I go, hey, no, man, I'm trying to get some sunlight <laughs> right now. <laughs> I do, I do, I do a lot of grunts, and I do a lot of all right nows, and I don't know why, but it tickles the shit out of me. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. When I'm in other cities, I'll do that, like towards other old black men. I'll just be like, "Hey, what's going on with you now?" And I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not from there. I don't talk like that normally. <laughs> I don't have that accent, but I don't know why. I'm, it's like the funniest thing in the world to me. Have you ever gotten like, "Do I know you?" No, no. that's what's strange. I make him like the perfect, perfect stranger. And it's like there's a head nod, and then, man, you can. I've gone by people and mumbled literally gibberish. There's a lot of people like around uh, my way who just like, you know, they always give you like the, hey, what's going on with you, man? But they don't really care. They're just saying it because they see you. And uh, (laughs) this one guy goes, hey, what's going on with you, man? I go, oh, I ain't not, man. Trying to find these goddamn rabbits. <laughs> and, I kept, and, and I kept walking. No explanation. No. Are there rabbits in your there neighborhood? There are no rabbits in my neighborhood. Okay. I just wanted him to keep thinking about, like, did that guy just say he's trying to find his rabbits? <laughs> and he, he didn't respond. And I swear to God, like, I, he's like oh, okay, lost, nah, that it's so, lost his rabbits. Nah, it's yeah. so funny. Oh, and someone asked you for like for change, mm. like they just hear it. They just hear a tone back. Like it's not like a yes or no. So someone's like, "Hey man, you got thirty five cent on you?" Which, by the way, too specific. <laughs> not just some change. I need specifically. You, you got thirty five cent. What are you? What are you thirty five cent short of? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they'll say like that, and I get tired of hearing like every day. So I'm like, "You recognize me, man? You're always on this corner. <laughs> like you should know. I don't have any change for yeah. you." So you say that, and then I'll go, oh, man, I ain't got no shoelaces. Which, which he will not question. Are you oh, wearing laced shoes at the time? <laughs> I'm not even sure. <laughs> but I was also proving to him that he doesn't care what I'm saying. <laughs> he, it's, he just wants to know if I'm going to give him 35 cents. But he's not really listening. We're not having a conversation. Yeah. So I can say whatever. Does the same man always ask for 35 cents specifically, or does he vary the number? He says 35 cent a lot. I know that because he stops at cents, which bothered me. <laughs> he didn't say 35 cents. He said 35 cent. And I was like, there's an S at the end of that. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be that guy. <laughs> but also, what do you need? Like 215 because there was tax? I don't know. What do you, I don't know. But he's, he's a nice guy. So wait, which part of town do you live in? Well, part of town I call Jamaica Plain. Just you call it that? No, some people, I'm not even sure if it's the actual town. I think it's just the neighborhood within Boston. It's a mix of, like, uh, some older artists and then some young families who pretend to be artists but are really rich. <laughs> like, they buy eco-friendly clothing for their babies. There's a store that only sells eco-friendly clothing for babies. What does that mean exactly? I think... It means the clothing is made from, I don't know, maybe some kind of repurposed hemp. I do know that they are the people who really want 
to ask a lot of questions about where does this come from? Um, who were the people that made this? Mm -hmm. Were they happy? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> they like to talk a lot of bullshit about uh, transparency. It's not like I want to help that country out. I just want to know that the lady who made it in Nicaragua, uh, that she's doing okay. But they don't really, because you could lie to them. And they, yeah. they just want to feel good about yeah. it. Yeah, they're never going to see that person. But they want to feel good about spending a lot of money on a onesie. You know, like it comes with like a pack of kale. Like it's a, it's a, whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. As far as a photograph, like I think of like staging photographs or like making a scene for a movie. And I like that as a photograph. Just like a kid in what looks like a burlap sack, just like clutching a bag of kale. I'm going to have to find a baby. Like I'll, I'll get a baby somewhere and I'll take that photo. It'll be great. I love that you just said, I'll get a baby somewhere. <laughs> if, we, if we take just that sound bite, <laughs> that sounds real scary. <laughs> People who have babies are like, sure, you can use my baby for photos. So I'll just get one of their babies. Oh, okay. It's well, it. Yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. In context, it sounds fine. But the phrase alone, I'll get a baby. <laughs> it sounds like I'll get a baby no matter what. You're adding an extra emphasis on the get. Like, I'll... I'll get a baby. <laughs> I'm just saying it sounds like someone's going to get tricked or kidnapped, and I want nothing to do with that. I would not kidnap a baby. I don't want to have is to it, take care of a baby. Is it baby nap if it's a baby? I don't know. Because kidnap would be kids, right? Well, no, like even as an adult, you can get kidnapped. It's not like abducted? I don't want to be kidnapped. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm a grown man. <laughs> I want to be abducted. Yeah, that sounds like somebody offered me a lollipop and I got into a car. I, I want to be knocked out or something. It doesn't make any sense to me that you would get kidnapped. So it'd have to be like part of like a political plot. You're not just being kidnapped or abducted. This is like a military group coming to get you for like a particular reason. That's the only reason this would make sense. Yeah, there'd have to be like an unmarked black fan that pulls up, some guy with a taser. And also, I am forever afraid of unmarked vans that pull up because I've watched way too many movies. I'm not the guy who yells in movies, but at Home Alone, I will yell at my screen. And Home Alone's like, there's a van next to you, a van, and it's stop and run. There's no good reason for a van to stop next to you with that sliding door that goes open. Always run. Okay, when outside of maybe like a random episode of Scandal is someone who looks like you getting taken Oh, yeah. See, I don't know. That's the other thing, too. It's like, I worry because uh, I'm not a small guy. So if somebody did want to abduct me, like they'd have to really be determined. And there'd be a few of them, so there'd be a fight, and I'd get badly hurt. <laughs> I'm so scared because they'd have to really hurt me, and there'd be a few of them. I think I'd have to pretend to like pass out or something because I I, despite what I might look like, I do not want to fight a group of people. I really do not. I don't want punches to the face. That, that is extremely painful. No, no, I, uh, I took a, I was like training at a boxing gym before, like a few years back. But it was like, it was just a class. Like you just hit the heavy bag and it's fine. Hit the bag. You know, you do like all the exercises and it's good. You feel, you feel like you could hit somebody, but you don't, because the bag doesn't move. But one day the coach, it was like the kid he was training named Zaire, who was like, don't fight anybody named after an African continent. <laughs> so Zaire uh, hopped into the ring, and my coach was like, oh, look, I need you to be a sparring partner today. This was like a weekend, and I was like, I'm not even jumping rope well yet. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is good. He tried to reassure me. He said, oh, you know, it's going to be just jabs and we'll just work around the ring. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're going around, and I don't even know how to like, move my feet well. And I'm just holding my hands next to my face so I don't get hit. And then he just starts throwing these combos to my body. And I was like, I know. Yeah. I know this is not right. He said jabs, yeah. and that's just your left hand. Uh, that's a right uppercut. So me just trying to keep him off me, I threw like a jab, and I caught him like square in his face, and he backed up. And his nose started bleeding, and like the darkness came in, and uh, he came after me. And I got... A few hits to the face. And yeah, that's that's not good. That is not a good feeling. Yeah. So uh yeah, I don't want that again. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm playing dead, I'ma pass out. What's going on, bro? So in the background right now is is my main man. Somebody does like some really dope voices. Uh, come here come here right quick. Come here right quick. Do one quick voice. Just so y'all know I'm not joking. 
He's not joking. That is my friend Kufi. I knew him from Zimonda for a long time ago, from a small village by the Kilimanjaro mountain. We used to ride zebras together. <laughs> That's my man. Uh, he stayed crazy. Uh, these, these are the people in my life. This is why I love coming here. Yeah, I uh, have some questions for Miss Mobley. People call me that. If they nasty. Uh, my first question to you is, this is about favorite things. What is uh, your favorite food? What do you like to eat? That is a tough question. Uh, it's got to be ethnic food, which is a silly phrase, actually. Every food's ethnic. There's things that I only have sometimes, and those are probably my favorite. So there's a Persian dish called pheasant that I really, really like. I think it's pomegranates and almonds, but over chicken. So, like, imagine Persian mole sort of situation. It's really good. I really dig that. And then just, like, the food my mom makes. So it's going to be every time I come home, she makes the same thing. She makes fried catfish, sweet potato pudding, macaroni and cheese. Sometimes she'll make black-eyed peas. Uh, yeah, so it's just like a very southern meal that happens every time I go home. God damn. That sounds amazing. I'm, if you're like me right now listening, you are starving. That was a decadent uh, description of a delicacy. My goodness. All right. Food. Uh, uh, I can't. There's too many. We don't have enough time. I, I swear, I, I'm not even joking. Like, I love food. And this would take an entire podcast for me okay. just to talk about foods. Uh, favorite place to go to kind of be, like, with your own thoughts? Uh, the streets of Boston. Uh, if it was like, oh, I just want to walk around and think about something, I get lost. I walk around. I try to go to a neighborhood I haven't been to before. Uh, and just, like, make my way so that's an hour or two hours just walking around. Nice, nice. So she likes to walk around to clear her head, uh, <laughs> as well as explore new neighborhoods. A uh, bit of multitasking, uh, as they would call it. Exploration, both physically and mentally. Personally, I want to relax. I like to... And this is going to sound strange because it's usually uh, a source of anger, but public transportation, yeah, it's, uh, at most times, it's just terrible, just terrible. Uh, the people you have to interact with, it's really kind of like the last straw before chaos. Like, if you want a preview, like a preview of anarchy, like a preview of, like, when, uh, like, the economy collapses, like, just take a bus at rush hour. I think that's true. Yeah, but the train... Trains are actually very calming. It's just the people on there that are annoying. <laughs> but yeah, you're kind of just zipping around the city. Uh, that and supermarkets. Really? Oh, there's something about the way the aisles are coordinated and all the colors and the way everything's kind of uh, organized by height and color <laughs> and product. That's very relaxing. And I love food, so I can... The way you explore uh, like new neighborhoods, I explore like... Uh, like new sauces, or or new. Oh, that's a good one. Well, it's got to be uh, it's got to be jerk chicken sauce. But there's also like uh, six kinds of hot sauce that I love very much. Six, six brands of hot sauce, or six like you like there are multiple brands of these particular six types of hot sauce. Oh, there's six types, but three of <laughs> like five of one called Matooks. If you uh, want some really good Caribbean hot sauce. Matooks, M-A-T-O-U-K, apostrophe S. Uh, Matooks, if you're listening, please send me a six-pack. And then uh, another one called Bello, which is actually from Dominica, so I'm a bit partial. But yeah, Bello hot sauce is really, really good. But yeah, supermarkets, I totally, it's like a whole different environment. There's an organization to it, but also very calming. And nobody rushes you. If you're in the right one, yeah. you can just take your time in the produce aisle. It's, uh, 
I think I feel that way about Target. It's super silly, I know this, but like when I was a kid, my mom would just, she'd hand me and my sister a $20 bill and she'd leave us at a Target. It was a Target next to a movie theater. And so it'd be like, you guys can go do whatever you need to do at the Target, buy your candy, do whatever, and then you're gonna go to the movies and I'll pick you up in six hours. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I spent a lot of time just like wandering through Target. It feels very comfortable to me. Yeah, and uh, let me just uh, speak on behalf for people uh, listening at home. You know, uh, her mom was, you know, that was cool. I mean, she wasn't just like just leaving her there. Uh, <laughs> like, she didn't just like kick her out the car and like throw a crumpled up 20 at her and go, hey, I'll be back when I'm back. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems like uh, she... <laughs> Like like she was doing something nice. I mean, of course, she wasn't with her kids. Uh, to make mom knows how much I like Target. Yeah, but not enough to stay with you while you were there. Just enough to drop you off uh, for, I guess that's uh, about a day's worth, six hours. You can buy candy, you can like, go shopping for clothes, and then go see two movies in that amount of time. Okay, now how old were you at the time? I think that probably started when I was like 12. So not like when I was like a six-year-old or something, just like asking to be kidnapped. It was like I was 12 years old. It was fine. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Kofi is giving me the strangest look like this is not a common occurrence. I don't know if it's common. Uh, I would often just leave the house because I wanted to get away because I'm very independent. But I don't know. I just have the image of a parent kicking open the door of a car <laughs> and... Letting her two kids out for an unspecified amount of time and going, here's 20 bucks, go shop, go to movies, whatever you want to do, as long as I don't see you for the next six hours. You know, it make your own fun. This world is a big world out there. Across the highway, there was a steak and shake so we could go across the highway and buy a whole meal for like $7. And then each of the movie tickets were like three fifty when I was a kid. So it's like, yeah, $20. You can make a lot of fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So you have to. So, I mean, it's economically, it sounds like a great day. I mean, I guess there's very little danger with two kids crossing a highway. Uh, oh, okay. You're not running across four lanes and, and jumping over a median. To go get a yeah, shake. Yeah. Oh, that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that would be crazy. Only that would be crazy. Yeah. But other than that, it's a total, I mean, that's just like a cool mom letting you go and giving How you How much freedom did I have? So much freedom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Freedom is a good word. I mean, you could say people who are on the street have a lot of freedom. So much freedom. They're not bound by the nine to five. They don't have to report to anyone. When they want to go somewhere, do they have to ask somebody? Do they have to tell somebody like, hey, I'm headed out here? They just go. True, true. You know, some of the last pioneers... I mean, they clearly pee wherever they want. So yeah, that's, it's, 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 yeah. Maybe someday it's the beginning of chaos, but I think a really free society is one where you can pee anywhere you want. Mm. Actually, that's not true. I find urine disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, I, I can, I'm pretty sure a lot of folks are on board with you about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, I'm really not a fan of it. Yeah, there's a... I don't know if there's a, a large pee listening fall. <laughs> You but know, uh, there shouldn't be. Water sports enthusiasts listening group. It's uh, it's actually how the I got the word about it, this podcast out there. Watersportsenthusiasts.com. Yeah. Uh, also, while we're here, shout out to Wally's Water Skis. <laughs> Wally's Water Skis. Uh, huge sale going on right now through the end of the month. Uh, and people who uh, pee in the pool, uh, we know it's you. <laughs> it is not anonymous. It's a pool. We can see you. Please stop. Uh, so I'm no longer going to go to Wally's Water Skis because Kofi has now said that people who pee in the pool are not welcome. No, I'm kidding. I, that's disgusting. I would never. Oh, that's awful. The idea of it. Too embarrassing. I, I, that's one thing I, I never understood, how people uh, just let it go inside pools. And it's not... Everyone's looking at you. Why would you pee when people are looking at you? Okay. So there's that, just the clear disregard for other human life. And then even to add on to that, you're still standing in the pool. Why are you peeing around yourself? Yes. It's going to hit you. Yes. <laughs> you're yeah, right. It's hitting you immediately. I mean, yeah, it's watered down pee, but it's still pee. <laughs> yeah. If someone gave you a cup of watered down pee, you'd still be like, mm, no, I think the water to pee ratio is still way too high. <laughs>
like, no, I don't, I can't deal with this. It's way too high for the mathematicians out there. And again, I'm doing a lot of shout outs. But <laughs> the mathematicians out there, percentage wise. Are we talking about 1% urine? The thing is, there is no number. Uh, no need to calculate. Any percent of urine is too much urine in water. In anything, really. If you get a, a steak au poivre and there's a 0.5% of urine, that's too much urine in your steak au poivre. Just so you know, for the foodies out there. Yeah. Uh, where, where does one get this steak au poivre? Oh, my goodness. Uh, any good steak shop, really. Ooh, I suggest a place called Moo, which is downtown. It's M and then like seven O's right after it. They make a pretty good steak. Also, if you don't mind uh, getting yourself a cast iron skillet, Go to any good butcher shop and get yourself a steak. It's often way less expensive. Not to mention, you can cook it to your desire, you know? Mm. If you like it rare, you like it medium, you know, you like it to be sitting in some uh, some butter and garlic, maybe a dash of sage. Let's not get crazy. But this is, again, not about me and my food <laughs> obsession. This is... We're talking about favorite things. We're back, and we're talking to Kenise Mobley. <laughs> <laughs> Kenise, tell us, where is one of your uh, favorite places to go on uh, on a date? So a place with good ambiance. I think one of my favorite places, good old standby, is the Painted Borough in Davis Square. Good margaritas, good food. It's not so divey that, like, someone's going to come and vomit on your table or you're going to have to deal with, like, a crazy drunk person. Okay, so... I need it to be near my house because I don't want to feel like, oh, I came all the way across town for this shitty date. Right. And then I got to make out with them. I get it. Yeah. Oh, it's super oh. complicated with my life. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have it has to be close to my house so it doesn't feel like a loss. And then it's kind of weeding out the other options. So what are we going to do? Go to saloon where people wear vests and have never made me a good drink, but then like charge me $13 for like a shitty version of the drink that I want. Nah, I'm not. I'm not into it. And then uh, there's Spoke up the road. It's a good wine place. It is a shout out Spoke. Shout out Spoke. Run by a lady named Flea, good friend of mine, an oh. uh, awesome little wine bar. Yeah, sometimes I want to do that, but I want to say it's like $11 for like Devils on Horseback, like the, uh, so good, so good, bacon wrapped, blue cheese stuffed dates. Yeah, I'm like, if I spend $11, I'd like to feel like I ate something <laughs> versus just like I feel like I smelled something and there's like flavor sensations happening in my mouth, but my stomach was not made aware of any of this. Yes, uh, agreed. As somebody who eats quite a lot, a place like that, I feel is more of like, that's like after a date is going well, you, then you go there for like a nice glass, maybe a, you know, a Loire Valley Sauvignon, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's always a really, it's always a date killer if the person picks a place and then I'm still hungry afterwards. Yes. That's no good. That's not a good date place. And I think Painted Borough really wins in that aspect because for like $10, I can get something that will fill me up that's also like, damn, this is pretty good Mexican food. Yeah, quality. And quantity, which is also what you want in your date. Yeah, true, true. Also, I am a stickler for good design. So on film sets, what I often end up doing is doing the production design and making sure, like, they have all the elements to make it look like they're really in a particular place and making it just, like, look good and fit with the overall mood they're trying to create for the story. So when I go into a bar and it looks like it's designed for, like, good interaction and talking and drinking and, like, enjoyment to a certain extent, but also something that fits my personality. Painted Burrow has, like, these red leather tufted high chairs that's kind of retro, but it's kind of modern. They just do it well, and aesthetically it's very pleasing. And a lot of other bars don't do that. So I'd say Painted Burrow. What about you? Hmm. First of all, I totally agree about your aesthetic in the bar. Because I worked in restaurants for a few years, and there is a feeling you get when you walk into a place, whether it's welcoming and whether you can relax and have a conversation in there. And so I'm very aware of all that. I mean, from the color of the walls to the music to the lighting, all of those influence the atmosphere and culture in the place. So if that's not right, then it's not good for me. There's a bar called Highland Kitchen, which I like a lot on Highland Ave. Shout out to the staff in there. They take care of me. I definitely like food for a first date because for me, like things cannot go well, but at the very least, I want to eat. <laughs> like if I'm a, and this sounds selfish, I like to make sure that I have a good time. Because after you've been on like a few whatever shitty dates and you get older and you go, whoa, whoa, that whole night was shitty? That was a night of my life. Oh, that's not happening again. <laughs> you just decided. Yeah, I just decided. So then you control what you can control. You can control going to a good restaurant or you can control going to go see something you want to see. And that way you at least have a good night. Yeah. 
and then you go on from that. Then if it's going well, then it goes really well. Yeah. Hey, if it's not a good match, then hey, yep, yeah. see you later. Take it easy with the rest of your life. No, I just uh, walk away slowly backwards with my hands up going, hey, uh, mm, thank you for coming out. Uh, and you didn't know me last week. Uh, so, yeah, hey. <laughs> This world keeps on turning. <laughs> I like to leave sing something like kind of awkwardly. That way they don't want to pursue me. <laughs> just like firebomb the whole evening, and then you like walk away, walk away. That's oh, yeah. that's a classic move. I'm gonna have to pick. I'm gonna have to use that. Oh yeah, that's oh please, everybody out there. You know, a little tip from Kofi. If things aren't going well, oh my God, why are you still there? Sabotage it. Make sure you have fun. Start saying really weird shit and just make yourself laugh. I've never done that, and I've been on quite a few like. Why are we here? Dates. Yeah. All right. I got to think of like crazy characters I can go into. Yeah, yeah. There's a point where, you know, either you or both of you know that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then why, why, why torture yourselves? You owe nothing to that person. They owe nothing to you. Make a couple of goofy voices if you feel like it. <laughs> you know, uh, making a fart noise is always hilarious. <laughs> with your mouth though like that, so that no one thought you farted they're just like why is she making okay cool right 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 just confusing them and also <laughs> making sure that uh when you all do say goodnight that they're not so thinking oh well i think it, i think it went okay like that's somebody i think i want to no no they like that person made weird fart noises <laughs> i saw him do it with his mouth <laughs> he didn't even talk about it <laughs> he just made it and then kept eating so, yeah, no, he's a psycho. There's no way I ever want to see him again. Kofi has now changed the course of my dating life forever. Uh, if you hear about a story where a girl makes fart noises and then, like, throws down a smoke bomb and disappears, it was me. So you can thank Kofi for that. I really appreciate it. Also, smoke bomb is a hilarious way to leave a date because... <laughs> I wish I had some, not right now, but like, just in my life. <laughs> I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is going terribly. <laughs> just leave you with my recording yeah. equipment. Because <laughs> you'll see me again at the show and you'll be like, Denise, I, uh, I have this uh, here. <laughs> yeah, I have your equipment. And uh, also, your smoke bomb wasn't very big. Like, I still saw you walk away. <laughs> it didn't mask you at all. <laughs> it was a very small cloud of smoke. <laughs> and then you walked away smiling. <laughs> that was very rude. I'm pretty sure you look back at me. <laughs> but I think that's why a smoke bomb would be hilarious. Because I, I, there's no way, unless I put no smoke for you to like disappear. So yeah. somebody can just see you vaguely walking away. <laughs> like wave a little bit through the smoke. Kinesis is waving back through the smoke. <laughs> As if to say, hey, I just wanted you to inhale some smoke. <laughs> I don't care that you see me. But I want you to know I don't respect you enough. <laughs> <laughs> to not throw smoke at you. Oh, that is an amazing way to leave a date. Yeah, have more fun in life. That's definitely a, a message I'm always trying to put out there. Definitely have some more fun. Life is going to be boring anyway. You might as well do what you can to have a good time. <laughs> Everybody also, uh, buy some smoke bombs from <laughs> Sam's Smoke Shop. <laughs> at Sam's Smoke Shop, do they sell cigarettes? But also smoke bombs? Yes, they sell uh, cigarettes, all your tobacco needs. And if you look behind the glass, uh, there are an array of smoke bombs. Anywhere from, you know, beginner to Batman. I would suggest beginner for first dates. Just because if you're in a restaurant, you don't want the whole place to exactly. be smoking. Oh, and I just thought it would be funny. If you did have a big smoke bomb and you threw it down a bad date, but then all of a sudden a lot of people got up and they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I think if you did that at Saloon, that is exactly what would happen. Just a lot of people like, oh, uh, yeah, like, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. The smoke, I can't. I just have to get out of here. But it was it was so nice meeting you, <laughs> which is the, the, what I usually say. Oh, my God. So that was scary because Kamisha did a really, uh, she's also an amazing actress because she just said, it was so nice meeting you, but it looked very authentic. <laughs> And it was a really good handshake. And I was like, I would have definitely thought that she meant that. <laughs> so uh, to people out there, if Kanice says that to you, know that one, she is a great actress. And two, she does not want to see you again. Please leave her alone. She is not interested. And she just wasted a smoke bomb on you. <laughs> so wait, if this 
scenario. I throw the smoke bomb down myself. They see me throw the smoke bomb down, and then I turn to them, take their hand, shake it, and say, it was so nice meeting you, and then just walk away. That, I think that, no, I, I would, I'm going to try this. You're going to hear about it. It's going to be on the news because I'll get arrested for filling a restaurant with smoke, but... I, gotta try this. I also imagine that you threw the smoke bomb down, and then they just see your hands come through the smoke. Nice meeting you. <laughs> oh my goodness! Do you have any more uh, questions for me to you, or for um, you to me? I'll give you the final wrap up. Do you plan on staying in Boston for a long time, and what would you miss if you were to leave? I do love Boston, but uh, unfortunately, there is no, or I haven't figured out a way yet to explore some of the avenues I want to explore in comedy, as far as writing for television, for movies, doing some uh, some directing, really just kind of all aspects of visual comedy, digital comedy, and just touring more. Like I just want to see more of the world, and so for that. Boston is not really set up in a way that supports that. And as far as what I'll miss, I'll definitely just miss the people. Now, I've made like some really great friends here over the years. I'll definitely like, miss the city, uh, like walking around. Family, still got some family here. Comedy scene, all those good things. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the end. All right, so uh, we're going to... Uh, call it a great podcast. I do want to uh, give a going away thank you to... You know, just everybody. Wally's Water Skis, <laughs> Sam's Smoke Shop, really all of our sponsors. Matooks, uh, your hot sauce. There was something about 420 in there. Whoever those guys were. Yeah, or at least everybody also, you know. Support and check out KeniseMobley.com. Uh, she's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So the comedy studio just opened, and we're going to stop this podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. This has been Person About Town. Person About Town.